0: Facebook is everywhere. You more than likely have a Facebook account. You've got friends, you've got groups you're part of, you've got posts from them, you've got images. But then you've got ads on your screen as well, don't you? Whether it's the Facebook mobile version app or the desktop version, you've got ads in your feed. You've got ads on the right in the middle because that's how Facebook makes money from people like you and me. But what's it like to be someone who creates those ads What kinds of ads work on Facebook? What makes a good ad? And how would you as a training business owner, as a consultant, as a coach, go about creating one that gets consultancy work to your door? Now, I've tried running Facebook ads before myself. You can do that, or you can hire an expert. Now, I work with an expert in Google ads, but I put my hand up here when I tell you that I'm not clued up on how Facebook ads work because it's quite complex, as you can imagine. But luckily, I know a guy who does. His name is Luke Smith of SimplyConverting.com in Sydney, Australia. And Luke is my guest today here on the show. So in the next 35 minutes, we're going to be covering the foundations of how to run Facebook ads for your training business. So stay tuned. This is episode 118 of the Training Business Podcast. Here's the music. Hey, and welcome to the Training trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and
1: interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett Hayes.
0: Hi, my name is Mark. I'm the host of the Training Business Podcast. This is the show for freelance trainers, for training business owners, for training consultants just like you and I all around the world. We literally do have listeners all around the world. Of course, we've got people who contribute to the show from around the world. And today we have someone at the far side of the world, at least relative to where I am right now, and his name is Luke Smith. And the goal of episodes just like this one and every episode of the show is threefold. It's to help you to start to grow and to scale a profitable training business. Now, we had Jeff Turner former director of learning and development worldwide at Facebook on the show back in episode 31. That's 87 episodes ago. And it's taken us until now to have someone on the show to give us a masterclass on Facebook ads. So today's guest is Luke Smith, who is owner of simplyconverting.com. That's a Facebook ads agency based in Sydney in Australia. And we're going to give you answers to questions like what kinds of ads work on Facebook, what makes a good ad, how do you go about creating one that gets consultancy leads, the kinds of ads that drive work to your door.
1: Luke, hi, welcome to the show. Hey Mark, good to be here,
0: thanks for having me on. You're uh, speaking to me live this morning from Australia, so you're just making a coffee in the background.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's quite early, or not too early, I suppose, about 20 past seven.
0: Okay. Well, look, the reason I have you on today is to talk about um, Facebook advertising. Um, It's one of the huge platforms out there. People obviously have a choice of platforms these days. We can advertise on, um, even recently, Twitter, uh, Spotify. But the big kind of names that come to mind in terms of online advertising would, of course, be Facebook and Google. That's a nice place to begin. What, in your mind, is the difference between advertising on Google and advertising on Facebook?
1: Yeah, they're, they're the two platforms that seem to come up the most. They're the most popular and I think there's a lower barrier to entry for you know, small to medium-sized businesses. So, and also I think the results people get through that platform are significantly greater than the others at the moment. There are other ones popping up. But focusing on Facebook and, and Google specifically, they're, they're very different different in their nature. So Facebook and Instagram marketing is very much interruption-based uh, people are there to be social. They're liking, commenting, sharing on posts. So they're not necessarily there to look for a product or service, though. You know, as consumers, we definitely get distracted by those posts and and can be prone to buy uh, pretty quickly. Obviously, if the if the copy and the ad is good enough. Uh, but when you look at at uh, Google, it's directly connecting. Uh, consumers to businesses, and it's especially important for service-based businesses because there's so much more intent there when people are actively searching queries into Google's URL bar. Um, so if you look at the the uh, consumer funnel, I suppose Facebook and Instagram would sit higher up in more in the awareness phase, and then um, Google is much more consideration and action-based in its nature. So people are searching for products for example uh, you know plantation shutters blinds uh, as one of a uh, one one of my clients and pergolas as well so very much service orientated um, products that people are looking to simply connect themselves with a business that provides that service
0: right so to so take that example and expand that so we've got facebook people facebook learns through its algorithm what you who you are what you do what you like and on that basis Returns ads or shows you ads based upon its algorithm, what it thinks you you need to see or would like to see. Whereas Google is when you explicitly search for something. In 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 our case, to bring it to the the kind of the needs of the audience here listening to this would be you know someone who's let's say a consumer looking for leadership training or management training or resilience training or something like that or even coaching. Um, they will type in those words, and Google's algorithm will then as it typically, I did this evening, in fact, as an example, and I looked for leadership training and the first four entries were actually sponsored entries. So it looks like a a result or a search result, which it is, but the kind of organic results to use that word, they're down below. These are listings, which over time, um, kind of migrate onto the first or second page of Google. Is that right? And then the other ones are kind of sponsored. They're ones which people have paid to have put there.
1: Yeah, so if you actually type in something like, um, you know, leadership training, for example, you will see um, anywhere between three to four ads at the top of Google's search bar, and they're identified by there is a little um, uh, label that says "ad" in in those ones. I think they have to explicitly tell you they are sponsored posts. So it's very small, and it's become a little bit more incognito than it used to be. They used to be yellow labels, and now they're Um, Black and a a little bit more hidden, so people really wouldn't uh, look too closely and know that they are a paid ad. But then, as you move down, you will see organic posts, and the main difference between you know those sponsored posts at the top and the paid, uh, the organic ones. Sorry, a little bit further down, um, organic being known as search engine optimization. It's a much slower burn with search engine optimization. You can rank very high uh, organically and it's it's quite cost-effective obviously if you can get people to your website without having to pay, but it can take you know months and, and even years to rank on those keywords. And by rank, I mean get higher and higher on that search results page. But when you look at paid advertising, it's instant. Uh, you can create an ad directly to your website, target a keyword or a search query that you think people might be searching. And depending on how much you're willing to pay, you can get quite high up on that search results page. Um, and it's not uncommon to, to hit position number one quite frequently.
0: So the way that Google ads work, as I understand them, and I've, I've got some Google ads running for my business, um, it's very much based on an auction system. So you have to work out what, what words you want to rank for and how much you're willing to pay for those. Is that fair to say?
1: Yeah, and um, that, that the main factors typically with auction-based systems is uh, th- there are a number of factors, but when you simplify it down, it really is more about bid and quality slash relevance. So both Facebook and Google want a good experience for their user base, so they implement Um, relevance and quality scores, relevant scores known mostly across Facebook platforms and quality scores known mostly across Google. And they do that to ensure that someone can't just come in with a website that's not relevant to what people are typing in. And because they're bidding higher than everyone else, showing position one, they don't necessarily want that because users are going to be clicking on an ad that's not at all relevant. Uh, And it creates a poor user experience. So they do factor um, the post click uh, experience. So what happens when people visit the landing pages as well? They want to create the best environment possible.
0: So if we keep this very uh, simple for, for now, why would someone choose Google as a training consultant? Why would someone choose Google over Facebook ads? Is there a kind of a merit for both or one or the other?
1: Certainly a merit for both. Um, the, if you're just starting out, um, it can be quite expensive to get on Google, especially if they're competitive terms, for example, leadership training, leadership courses, it's going to be quite pricey and competitive to bid on those terms, show high up enough on the page and get people to your website, which is why a lot of marketers or uh, business owners are moving to Facebook and Instagram. And when I say Facebook and Instagram, they're both um, able to be advertised through the one platform. So they're both owned by Facebook, you're able to run ads across Facebook and Instagram at the same time, which is very convenient and effective for us marketers and business owners. Um, But most people are sort of going to Facebook because the data that Facebook has is very accurate. And if you're looking for um, leadership training, for example, um, as as an owner of a program for leadership training, you can really push that course out in front of Uh, very accurate segments of the market based on Facebook's interests and demographics uh, because Facebook does track user behavior not only on the Facebook platform itself but also across other sites because people have Facebook pixels on websites, you know, outside of the actual Facebook platform. So the amount of data they're collecting is immense, which gives them the ability to really nail down the targeting on your ideal client when you're actually running advertising.
0: So you mentioned pixel. So a pixel for people listening, if I could define this accurately, is some code which effectively allows uh, the platform Facebook to track people's behavior and movement between Let's say a website and a landing page, or a landing page and some kind of offer. Is that is that right?
1: Yeah, a good example of this would be if you were um, if you were actually viewing a leadership program, for example, on somebody's website, and then you went back to Facebook and started to scroll the newsfeed. It's highly likely you would see an ad from that same organization, or even a, even an ad of the same product. So that's called retargeting or remarketing, um, and that uses the pixel to essentially track you as that user back to those platforms.
0: And that's why some people find this a bit freaky. It's like they've been looking for something, all of a sudden an ad pops up on another website. They're thinking, how on earth did that person know I was looking for this? It just is not a coincidence. It's a, it's a pixel. It's doing its job. Okay, so if we so in summary, in a way, the Facebook platform sounds mega powerful. It's, it's obviously tracking all kinds of things like whom you're connected to, and all the information you're giving it, um, it's being used, not against you as a consumer, but from our perspective as business owners, it's quite powerful. Um, when you click on a Facebook, sorry, a Google ad, it's going to be a text-based ad, typically, um, which comes up in the Google search engine. But Facebook ads are much more powerful. They can be video, they could be images, they could be multiple formats. So let's take a training consultant listening to this, all the way from design to execution, Um now, I, I visited just this evening to have a quick look, the Facebook for business page. And I think that's the first thing to mention. We're not talking about Facebook, ordinary Facebook here. Facebook for business is where we would go to design ads. Isn't that right?
1: Yeah. So you, to, to create ads for your business, you're going to typically need two things, um, a Facebook page to run ads from, because when you're running ads, Facebook needs to see that it's coming from a, a business page. And you're also gonna need an ad account. And the ad account is where you actually go in and pull all the levers and uh, create your ads and, and set up your targeting. So those are the, the two core pieces that you'll need. Um, in terms of the creative, there are a, a huge number of variations in terms of what you can run. Uh, carousels where you see imagery slide from the left to right. Um, there's video creative image, images, uh, GIFs you can run now. Um, you know, instant experiences where you you'll click on an ad and it will pop up uh, what looks like a website, but it's actually just another form on Facebook. So there's a number of things that you can do, but for coaches and consultants, I would keep it as simple as possible. Honestly, I've I've helped uh, a coaching and consulting client go from zero to around five hundred thousand in revenue just using image ads. So I, w- when we say there are a lot of formats. I would, my advice would be don't get overwhelmed. I would always just start with imagery because you can get um, bogged down trying to create the perfect videos, for example, and then realize you're not a video editor and it (laughs) just goes round and round.
0: (laughs) And you're just pulling your hair out. Yeah. And that's the thing. You know, this is one of the reasons I had you on is because I think there are two choices here. You can learn to do this yourself. You can buy Perry Marshall's book. That's Perry Marshall, The Ultimate Guide to Facebook Ads. And I would say to people doing this, good luck because... Facebook changes so frequently that very often things are out of date. Isn't that true? I mean, I looked this evening, in fact, I looked at Amazon and I said, I wonder what Perry Marshall's book is now price-wise. And the reason I say Perry Marshall is he's usually recognized as being kind of a, like the last word on Facebook ads outside of Facebook. He's highly regarded as an author. But what came up on Amazon was this edition is out of date. Please find the current version. And I think that's the danger is that if we try and do things ourselves, um, it's a huge time suck. It's not something we're paid to do. We're more often better to be focusing on things we can charge for as consultants and leaving things like Facebook ads to people like you. Is that fair to say?
1: Yeah. I think that's the way you're going to hit the ground running um, as fast as possible. Uh, having someone that has done it over and over for a niche, you know, that you fit in into um, just because they will know the core components of what they can put together to start with. And, you know, we can go through uh, from design to execution, how you can pull together an ad on Facebook, knowing that it's probably the lowest um, entry point for coaches and consultants, the easiest way to get going. So essentially you would want to start with the offer always first um, if, if you haven't got an offer that is converting organically or through referrals, then you might have an, an issue from the start. And paid advertising is great to amplify results that are already coming through. Um, so often people get stuck when they just come up with a business idea, put together a website and want to start running paid traffic. It can be quite expensive to do it that way. It's always good to validate your offer with organic and um, free alternatives, referrals, JVs, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. So just to clarify, so an offer is something like, uh, let's say a a webinar or it could be a video series. It could be a lead magnet, something that people get in exchange for giving you their details.
1: That's certainly it. That's essentially what you're going to be using on these paid traffic platforms to bring people into your funnel. And um, it also... Uh, you you want to see people go right through that funnel, and and by funnel I mean they w- you want to see them, for example, in the lead magnet instance. There you want to see them download that lead magnet, consume the content, follow up with you uh, potentially via phone call, and then you need to know that that's the right person that's come through that lead magnet, and that you know you can bring them on as a client. That's a good sign that you can then take that to pay traffic if that happens, um, you know, a few times organically.
0: Okay, so just to, to kind of clarify some terms there, the offer and a lead magnet, the offer is something which people find attractive. The lead magnet is simply a term used to describe something that people could download or register for in exchange for their details. So it's, it's, it's a magnet, it's attractive, and it's a lead in the sense that you're using the detail which they give you to confirm interest
1: in your offer. Yeah, correct. And, and a simple way to think about it is sometimes what people will do to create a lead magnet quite quickly is to just break off a very small portion of their core offer. And what that does is allow you to obviously create something a little bit quicker, uh, but it also ensures that there's relevance moving from the lead magnet to the actual offer that you're selling. Because if there's a disconnect there, uh, you might find that the sales on the back end might be a bit of an uphill battle.
0: Yeah. So, what we're actually touching upon here for people listening is that it doesn't just end with the ad. Um, it's actually the beginning, isn't it? Because we're designing a funnel, and a funnel is a term which we use to describe um, a process where we attract people into almost like a, a virtual relationship, and then we send them emails, and we we walk them slowly to a point where they take action and buy something, or they they agree to do some kind of next step. So the ad is just the beginning. Why don't we stick with the ad for a second? So, um, hard to describe all of this when people can see a screen or or a page here, but effectively, um, when you log into Facebook for business, you'll be asked what you want to do. And the first thing you'll see is choose a goal. Now, I checked this this evening, again, just to be uh, up to date in terms of what I was describing. And I saw things like get more website visitors, promote your page, get more calls, get more leads. How does someone as a consultant know which goal to select so that they're actually using this guided Facebook system to design the right ad for them?
1: Yeah, this, this is actually hugely important, the selection of the objective, more so on Facebook than any other platform. The reason being is that Facebook will actually bucket their users based on their online behavior and some of Facebook's users will be more likely to download a web a lead magnet, for example, um, and other users will be more likely to watch and consume videos on Facebook. So they're going to be sort of segmented differently. So when you're actually choosing this objective, you want to bring it back to what's your ultimate goal? Um, If you've got, for example, the lead magnet we just spoke about, a a report, a free report, something for someone to download on your website, the best thing to do is choose conversions as the objective. And the reason being is that you want somebody to go from Facebook to your website and take some kind of action. And by some kind of action in this scenario, uh, we're talking about submitting their details, their name and their email to download that free report. So in the eyes of Facebook, that's a conversion. So you want Facebook to go out and find people that are most likely to convert in a similar manner.
0: Right. What's that term again? It's something like, is it lookalike audience?
1: Yeah. So Facebook will have uh, people bucketed into interest segments based on what they're likely to do. And then uh, lookalikes is if you feed Facebook a little bit of data. For example, if you've had 100 people download that lead magnet, you can build an audience of that. Um, that segment, those 100 people, and you can push that into Facebook and say, can you please go and find me people with similar characteristics? And the audience that Facebook finds for you is called a lookalike audience.
0: Right. Okay. So having, having um, chosen your goal, and this might take some time to figure out, but what you've just said makes sense. You now choose how the ad looks. You select the media, which could be an image and some kind of button. Um, but there are definitely rules on ads, because I know when I ran an ad in the past or tried to, um, Google, um, Facebook warned me there was too much text on the ad and, and I wasn't sure why but I had to redesign that graphic um, so there are kinds of things to be aware of that um, it isn't just a case of throwing up any old graphic there um, it has to comply with Facebook's rules and sometimes those are a bit confusing but at some point then once you've chosen the graphic you now choose the audience uh, this is where things get a bit complex for me you choose the duration, how long you want that ad to run, and you then choose the budget, which another thing is another thing that sometimes confuses me. How do I know how much to spend? Because when I choose a budget or duration, Facebook will adver- will beside that calculate the daily reach and expected link clinks or link clicks, I should say. How do you work out what audience you want, how long the ad should run, and how much to spend, Luke?
1: Yeah. So I would split your audience into two parts. So when you're going to run Facebook ads for the first time, you've either got what's known as warm audiences or cold audiences to keep things simple. So warm audiences are, do you have people already um, visiting your website through organic search? Do you have people already engaging with your business Facebook or Instagram page? These are warm audiences. So the, 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 Easiest way to get started with a low budget is to simply target those warm audiences with with an ad and then see how effective that ad is. The reason being is that those people are already familiar with you and your brand, potentially your offer, and you would expect that more people will click through, more people will convert or download whatever you're offering. Um, So it's a good way to test the market and you can run with a lower budget when you're running those warm audiences. And when I say low budget, I've run these anywhere between between $5, even lower. So $1.50 to $2 in some instances, you can run these retargeting campaigns just because there's much less people in those audiences. And then the the other side of things is, is the cold audiences. So this is where it gets a little bit um, more complicated. And when I say more complicated, it just requires a little bit more testing sometimes to find out what does and doesn't work for you. Um, And I would always start with interests first, especially if you're just starting out. It's gonna be hard to create lookalikes if you don't have much data to give Facebook so they can find similar people. So I would simply just start with interests and you can search in that ad set level uh, where you actually select your your duration and your budget. It's known as the ad set. And that's where you can actually search different interests. You can simply type things in like you were typing them into Google and Facebook will um, suggest other similar interests. So all you would need to really do is type in keywords like leadership coaching, leadership training, and Facebook will actually populate other suggestions for you. And you can simply click those and add those into your targeting. And then um, that's pretty much it from the get-go. And you can run that, I would suggest about $10 per day is a good amount.
0: How many days do you reckon is, is, enough, is enough time to get some
1: confirmation of, uh, well, of, of clarity? Am I running the right ad? Yeah. So you don't really want to touch things for about two to three days is is around best practice. And that's just because Facebook will take a little bit of time to go out into that audience and figure out who is and isn't gonna get you um, the best results for your daily budget. So after about two to three days, you can can start to have a look at the data coming back and you can say, is this or is it not working? And then start switching things up from there. And that might be about changing the audience or re-looking at the creative.
0: Yeah. And I guess people have to be realistic as well. If you want quality leads, you're going to have to spend money here, right? If you're going to try and let's say sell a program worth, I don't know, $2,000 and you expect to get a lead by just spending $10, it's kind of unrealistic. So there's got to be a correlation here between the quality of of business lead you want to attract and the amount of money you're willing to spend.
1: Yeah. And I would always ask myself uh, just on that, if you're selling something for around $2,000, a good question to ask yourself is, am I willing to spend $2,000 to acquire a customer? You know, what is your threshold personally um, at, at which you would stop to acquire a customer worth two hundred to $2,000? And for that, you really do need to know your internal expenses and numbers um, so that you can essentially calculate your break-even. And that's a good way to assess how far you can go in terms of budget per month and and then work your way back from there.
0: Okay. Um, So what if someone decides to hire this or hire an agency? You know, someone says, you know what, I haven't the time to do this. And I actually, I like when people say to me, I haven't the time to do my web design. I haven't the time to design my lead magnets because that suggests someone knows what they're actually good at and should be focusing on. But what if someone says, I need to find an agency and there are lots of people out there. I can see people all, all the time advertising Facebook um, skills and and telling me to, you know, run a campaign with them. How does someone identify the kind of agency to work for? What kind of experience or accolades or achievements should that agency have?
1: Yeah, well, the, the larger agencies are going to have a number of people um, working for them. They're probably going to have more industry-related awards. Um, awards probably aren't the best thing to go off. I'd be more looking for experience with Uh, clients such as yourself. So people in your own industry, if they've got a run rate of marketing and advertising for similar people, and they can hand you a case study that says, you know, we were able to generate 2000 leads within the first three months for this client, which is very much like you. And we're going to use the exact same process and we can have it set up in a month. I think that's probably a good indicator, but always um, ask, Ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions as to what their process is. Um, and if, I think a, a red flag would be if, if you're speaking to a potential agency or partner and they're starting to promise you a certain uh, return because at the end of the day, you can't really guarantee these things. I think uh, a good agency or partner will be managing expectations from the, from the beginning, working with you to help understand the numbers on your side, if they're not actually investigating, you know, your your ability to afford the advertising or uh, market the lead volume that they're suggesting, that's probably a red flag. I think it needs to be a bit of to and fro in the beginning to work out if there's a good fit from both sides. Mm-hmm.
0: So having suggested that um, we have a lead magnet in place, we've got some ads running now. Um the ad is is the entry point isn't it we need to have a bunch of things in place we should really have an offer as you said we need to have um some kind of copy written and that is a skill set in itself to be honest you know writing ads what i call persuasive copy not just text but information positioned and phrased in a way that gets people to take action. And that's a different kind of writing to the kind of writing that we as trainers or coaches or facilitators would would typically do. Um, and then you use things like, because I've been through your webinar, it's great. You use a webinar as a kind of a means to generate interest. So not just something that I download, but something I can watch and experience. And then of course you need some kind of landing page, which people come to. And a landing page by definition is a page where you get people to arrive at and then take action, download something, sign up for something, um, and then of course, if that isn't complex enough, we have some kind of autoresponder, which is something like Mailchimp or or ConvertKit, and this is doing the this is the system for sending people emails. Thanks for signing up. Uh, one day to go. Two days to go. That kind of thing, and encouraging them to take action, reminding them of next steps. So what are What are the components from top to bottom of of a successful Facebook campaign? We've talked about the ads now. What else does someone need to have in place to actually generate uh, leads and traffic? and of course, ultimately a business?
1: Yeah, so I could I can walk you through a similar setup, which is um, the business that we helped grow to 500 K and actually started with zero people on their email list. So it's a good example of of if if you can get these core pieces together. And, and what and functioning um, properly, then you really can scale it up uh, because at that point, the numbers should be making sense. So what we did was we essentially set up with just image ads. So again, keeping things simple and the images, we went for more lifestyle orientated images, because when you're scrolling through Facebook, they don't necessarily scream, I'm an ad. Um, they're a little bit more incognito. And uh, we just found that the the click-through rate engagement was a little bit better on those types of images um and we mix that up with probably no more than four to five different pieces of of ad copy that would sit above that image on the facebook news feed above the image why is above the image important so that's actually the lead-in text so typically when when someone's scrolling through the news feed uh their eyes will be drawn to probably the imagery first it's the largest thing Um, it's probably uh, would represent somewhere between 70 and 80% of of the click-through rate, just as a ballpark figure, just because it grabs attention fast. Then what they're gonna do is typically they'll they'll look up and read the first line of copy, and then they'll look down and read uh, the headline, which is a little bit bold and sits just below the image. So really those three key components are gonna be most effective in getting people to your landing page. And in this instance, the landing page was Very short form page. It's not a full website. A landing page differs a little bit from a full website uh, in that you're really removing a lot of the distractions and you're only showing the user the core components they will probably need to see to take that next action. And that might be a headline on the landing page that is quite similar to the ad itself and that hooks them in and uh, seeds something that they might want. And then it will be maybe three to four bullet points of something that they will learn in that webinar in that video itself and then some social proof and some scarcity is also very important to include and by social proof i mean a couple of testimonials if you have those and scarcity um, is best done if it's genuine and real so if it's a live webinar for example this the scarcity could be time based in that if you don't register in the next 24 to 48 hours the window does actually close. So some core psychology components there to get people to take action.
0: And then of course, yeah, sorry, I, there was a gap. I, I thought I'd uh, make you say something about email. You're coming to that, obviously.
1: Yeah, so that's that's the point at which someone will either register or not register for that webinar. And so if they do register, that's when they go into the autoresponders that you mentioned earlier. And there are a number of those um, in this coaching consultants example, we actually use a platform called Kartra, uh, which is quite good. It's worth looking into. It's a one-stop shop and it does emails, landing pages, and it actually fits in quite well with these webinar softwares. Um, the one that we use is EverWebinar and it fits quite well because the software creators are actually the same people. So it syncs in nicely, which is always a good thing.
0: So people could use, I think Kajab is another one of those kind of systems, but you like uh, Kartra.
1: Yeah, I think the... Um, the course offering is quite good on Kajabi. Kartra has uh, a good membership and, and course hosting uh, platform as well, but it's got very robust landing page builders and email follow-ups.
0: Now, I have to ask you, of course, that um, this 500,000 uh, figure is very attractive. How long did it take to do that? And what was the, f- the offer and the lead magnets, I have to know, that uh, your, your customer used to actually get that much business?
1: So the the offer was a high ticket program uh, is in the renovation space. So it was a program for $3,995 and it was a group coaching program to help people um, increase the equity of their homes through renovation. So going out and targeting people likely to be renovating now or in the near future. And essentially helping them save money by redirecting their budget, if it's limited, for example, to areas that might boost equity uh, far and beyond the areas they were initially going to focus on.
0: So this was a person who's actually uh, creating training programs to help people to do this stuff on their own homes?
1: Correct. So if you're creating a, a training program um, in another niche, this same process uh, from Facebook ad through to landing page through to webinar can be just as effective. If you can get all of those core components together, so you really can follow the exact same process and switch out the the creative and the messaging and and um, all of the creative assets, obviously. Yeah. Mm. What was the time frame then to to achieve that uh, huge figure of five hundred
0: thousand? Was that one calendar year in terms of um, from zero to hero?
1: It was about twelve to fourteen months. We started in April twenty nineteen, the first launch, and we we spent around thirty eight hundred dollars on app on Facebook advertising in the first month
0: that's it nothing more
1: that's the first month and then uh, each month we started to scale up so we're looking at uh, a return on ad spend of in the first month about 4x and as we scaled up typically the return on ad spend will come down a little bit but at scale it's still uh, quite effective so we, we actually were spending between 3,800 in month one and then when the numbers were working, we scaled up to around 27,000 per month in that September and October. So we scaled quite quickly, that's about five or six months, I think. Um, so it was, a, is a, it was is quite a quick scaling campaign. Did you say
0: $27,000 a month?
1: Yes, in that September, we had spent about twenty-seven dollars. So moving from thirty-eight hundred to twenty-seven thousand with a new a new um, website and a, a new client, um, and the the core offer that three nine nine five offer would have generated around three hundred thousand from sales. Um, we were getting anywhere between nine to eleven sales per month, um, moving towards the end of the year, and then the remainder remaining. Remaining, sorry, um, revenue for that 500 came from the upsell, which was a $25,000 high, higher ticket product, which involved a lot more personal communication with uh, the business owner. And so it could warrant that that higher price point. And a number of people did step up into that higher um, package, which really helped with the revenue adding on top and uh, fund, funding the marketing itself.
0: Now, of course, for some people listening, uh, $27,000, that's a huge... As, but that's the price of a car. Uh, and that's per month on ad spend. What would you say to people who balk at that kind of numbers or those kinds of numbers and think, could I not spend less than that and still get the same kind of results? I mean, is I could just imagine, because I mean, if I, if I think of spending $27,000 on, on messaging, which is what advertising is on any platform, my skin kind of crawls and I'm thinking, good grief, that is huge money. Um, what What is the mindset that people need to To overcome where, because Google and Facebook are pay-to-play environments, so if you want to earn the big bucks, I guess you've got to spend the big bucks. What would you say to people listening and thinking, I couldn't even begin to justify spending that much money, Particularly if I'm working for myself, and if I tell my wife or my boyfriend or girlfriend or husband I've just spent twenty seven thousand dollars on ads on Facebook, will they kick me out of the house? Um,
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's understandable. I think the first um, the first mindset shift is actually changing the language away from spending to investing, and. When in that month one, you'll see we were spending around thirty-eight hundred dollars, or investing, sorry, thirty-eight hundred dollars. <laughs> we were actually we were actually getting ten k or so back. I think it was twelve k back in that first month. So when you see the money come back, um, and we're talking about revenue and also cash collected, when you're running advertising, it's important to keep an eye on both figures because if you're just tracking revenue, you might be a bit. Uh, short of cash to reinvest in the marketing the next month, so keeping an eye on both of those figures. But when we were seeing the cash come back and we were watching the numbers hold true, you actually gain a lot of confidence in your marketing just by looking at the consistency and the numbers. So, after two to three months, you can predictably say, uh, you know, I can put in X amount and I'm likely to receive X amount back. And so it's not necessarily about I'm spending $27,000. It's about I'm going to scale my business by investing $27,000 this month because last month I invested $15,000 and I maintained a two-to-one return. So it's about looking at the numbers and if they're holding true, uh, I think you'd be mad not to scale. And I think if people are out there listening, um, it's important to put yourself in the shoes of someone who was in that month and they've just, you know, for six months been running the same same campaign and each month it's brought back a positive return. I think if you put yourself in that situation, it's very easy to then say, okay, let's increase budget.
0: Hmm. So it's like an ATM in reverse. Uh, the more you you put in, the more you get out. If Once you get that ratio right and you get that formula, you, you can say then confidently based upon this system, three months, 12 weeks being, yeah, I suppose a reasonable amount of time, to, to run something and detect results. You can now say it's working. So if we want to achieve X, we simply need to put in this corresponding figure to get X times that in terms of, of, of qualified leads. And of course that's the that's the term here, isn't it? Qualified leads. If we're using the correct system, we have a proper funnel that's been tested. We're using the right copy with the right ad, the right copy on the landing page, the right sequence, which people go through the steps to get them to take actions, you know, click on this, uh, fill this in, download this. And then of course, the autoresponder, which is the email system that um, sends people emails saying, you know, thank you for signing up, etc. All of that stuff has to be in place. And if it's working well, it's a system. And if you're getting results from that, which confirm that it's worth spending money, why would you not spend more money to get more leads, qualified leads, right?
1: Exactly. It's like that. People use the analogy of standing in front of an ATM, and you put a dollar in, and a dollar fifty comes out. How, how long would you stand at that ATM for? <laughs> <laughs> you know, people would probably yeah. starve themselves, <laughs> feeding money into that machine. That's right. so, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's quite a good analogy, but it's it's a it's a simple way of thinking about it, and I think it is quite true. But to your point on the quality of leads, it is important to monitor that, obviously, and you will know if. If you're getting loads of leads through a system, but they're not converting into the, the cash and the revenue, um, that's a you know big sign that the quality might be off. And there's differences in quality between Facebook and Google as well in some instances. So a lot of people will see volume of leads coming through Facebook, but slightly lower quality, just because they are higher in that um, you know consumer cycle. They're more in that awareness phase, and then there's more intent behind the Google searches. So often. Uh, people will see higher quality there. And then with this exact campaign uh, that I was just speaking about, we actually combined Google and Facebook together, which is an effective way of doing it as well. So what you'll typically see is if someone's seeing lots of Facebook ads about a business, uh, they might actually Google that business name. So you can actually run Google ads uh, to target your own business name, knowing that someone's going to come off of your Facebook activity and start to investigate your business. And what that does is allow you to make sure that you're showing an ad up in that first position. And you're also able to direct them to wherever you would like on your website. And that could be back to your offer.
0: Right. So it's true, isn't it? The first thing I will do if I see an ad, I might think, well, who who are these people? So I'll go to Google um, and then I will look them up. And of course, if I own an ad, which... Positions that answer in front of people, that's the place I want to take them to. It's like a double kind of double bind way of ensuring that they're clicking on the thing that I'm controlling.
1: Yeah. And it's additional touch points too, especially if you're selling coaching and consulting packages for, you know, above $1,000. People aren't going to buy right away. And that's why we use a system like this to, to warm people up and familiarize themselves with your business. And so additional touch points are very helpful in, in making sure that you remain top of mind. Brilliant. Um, we could speak so much more about Facebook ads. It's, it's
0: quite a complex subject in itself, but I think you've done a very good job of giving people out there a taste of what Facebook um, ads are about and, and how they work and what results they can get. Where can people find out more about you, Luke?
1: Yeah. So people can find me at uh, simplyconverting.com. It's my main website and it should have links to all other assets from there. Mm.
0: So even if you're in Australia, you're still reachable. I mean, <laughs> we're speaking, it doesn't really matter anymore where people are because we we're across time zones anyway. So people can find you simply converting.com. And I'm sure you're on uh, LinkedIn as well.
1: I am. Yeah, I'll be Luke Smith on LinkedIn. Um, but again, there, there's likely, I, I think there's a link on that website as well to my LinkedIn. But yeah, feel free to reach out and um, any questions, let me know. Fantastic. Luke, thank
0: you so much for being my guest this morning.
1: Awesome. Thanks for having me on, Mark.
0: Thanks to Luke Smith of simplyconverting.com for speaking to us live from Sydney today. It's a warm, gorgeous summer's day down there, according to Luke, and I could hear Luke making coffee in the background, so I can say I'm not jealous. It's close to Christmas time here in December 2020. A year I'd rather forget for a bunch of reasons, but uh, hopefully we'll have a great and bright new year in 21, which is not too far away now. But thanks to you for your time today. Wherever you are right now listening to this, I'd love you to subscribe to the show and you can find episodes of the show each week on your podcast platform of choice, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, and many, many more. You've got some great ideas for episodes and guests and content, so please keep those coming to me. My email address is mark at trainingbusiness.com. I read my emails personally and reply personally and individually. So please keep those ideas coming. But until next week's episode, next Thursday, when I hope to have your company again, please look after yourself, keep selling, keep training, but above all, keep safe. Bye for now.